Oh snap! What's going on, guys? Going you know on, what time it is? It's talking time. It's another episode of talking. I like that. Uh, Chris. Yeah, I just, I good. just, I threw that out. I kind of figured I mean, you would. You would. It's easy. It. It's it's low hanging fruit, but it works. So I mean, yeah. Listen. Look, if the, if the fruit's hanging that low, you're gonna grab it. I mean, that's kind of. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Listen, yeah. if I'm hungry, I'm gonna grab a low hanging fruit, and I was hungry for some talking time. Yeah, exactly, man. It There's, feels like uh, it's been a while since I've talked to you. It it has, you know. We get busy, but not not busy enough to to not make time for this podcast here. So, Andrew, before we uh, you know get into the pleasantries and saying hello to each other again, why don't we tell the the listeners who we are, what we do, and uh, why they're here today? And I'm putting that uh, on you. <laughs> okay, I mean, I hope that if they're here listening, that they have at least a little bit of idea what we're doing. But um, as the full title suggests, I'm Andrew, and the, sorry, I, I'm not used to this mirrored thing. And that's Chris, and we have this show talking with Andrew and Chris, where we talk to each other and you know, interesting others about uh, yeah. life, music, and pretty much everything that falls in between those two extremely general topics. Nothing's and, off limits for the most no, part. Well, some things are off limits, yeah, but, but you, that's but that's the that's the not live talk. That's right, right, talk. exactly. No, um, and, but yeah. So we just like to have interesting conversations with interesting people, and I feel like we have a pretty interesting people here today. But we, we do a weird tense there, but you know that that works because <laughs> uh, you know this this guy we uh, we thankfully have I've already spoken to him once already. He's a phenomenal musician. And he's even done uh, quite a bit of acting. And he's been in a, a little movie from the 80s called The Karate Kid. Heard of it? Ooh, I've heard of that yeah. one. I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. And, I may uh, or may not have taken Taekwondo because I saw that movie, but that's neither here nor there. Really? That's cool. Maybe. Maybe we'll get into it. Nice. Well, well okay. I guess, hey, look, we'll get into it. But I am curious to know what belt you reached. Uh, Black dude, first degree. Nice. Okay. Come on. You got some I go skills. All the way. Uh, my dad was not going to let my dad was not going to pay as much as he did and let me not get to the end. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if he's paying for it, you better get the most out of it. I, I totally understand that. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, um on top of that, man, this guy is just he's a pro all around. He's in the band Survivor among many other bands as I learned last week. I've I've heard of that too. Yeah, yeah, you have. I'm sure you I'm sure you have. I mean, I think with your finger and can touch a pulse, let alone is on the pulse of, of, you know, pop culture at all. I think you've heard of some of the things we've been in, or he's been in, rather. And today, we are lucky enough to chat with this guy. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the second time this week, first time on Talking with Andrew and Chris, everyone, please welcome Jeffrey Bryan to the show. What's going on, Woo! Thunderous applause. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what uh, the, audiences, the audiences sound like right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, man. It's uh, yeah. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. So it's it's you know it's no surprise that you've toured the world. I assume, right? And yeah, you oh, yeah. you even kind of last week hinted at that you've you've toured with bands like Journey and uh, I forget some of the others that you said. Well, no, we've opened up. I haven't toured with Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Survivor has opened for them, and and so like they'll a lot of those bands were playing together back in the heyday. So. Right. They they bundle the the concerts together, so you know it's not it wouldn't be surprising to like do a do a show and 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 Rick Springfield's you know either the opening act or the main act or Richard Marks or or Journey at one point. Wow, um, Cheap Trick, all these guys. yeah, wow, love Cheap I've Trick. I've heard man. of them. That's awesome. Yeah, I've My heard uncle of them too. says they're uh, the hardest working <laughs> band of all time. 
With Cheap Trick? Cheap. Yeah, yeah. He can yeah, go on a whole diet about they, that. They still are good, man. They're, they're great. But, uh, you know, the reason I kind of start with that is because I'm just curious as someone who's toured for a living. I mean, you got to miss it a lot, right? This whole COVID oh, yeah. stuff got to be insane. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah. how, how are you holding up without being able to step on a stage and perform? Because the few tours Andrew and I've done, and, and, you know, we would play a show every now and then when we were lucky enough to get a show worthwhile. I'm missing it. So I can only imagine yeah. you, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, can't, uh, I can't really express uh, just, you know, the fact that it's extremely um it's difficult okay i mean you know i'm not sick and 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 i don't have those kind of issues but i mean being held back from doing something for no reason other than it could be dangerous is really weird and uh right. it's really it's really hard to uh i mean you know everybody's willing to to do something you know, to a degree, you know, if they say, hey, lay out for a month or two, but we're, in, we're, we're you know, we're, we're coming around seven months yeah. and this year's this year ain't going to happen. Next year is questionable. I'm just like, wow, where's the music industry? Right. Well, what the hell? We it's just destroyed an industry and a lifestyle. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. So I, fortunately for me, though, I got a, uh, in fact, when I'm done with this, I got to run to a studio. I'm uh, I have a rehearsal. <laughs> oh, cool. um, so I'm actually playing a gig soon. So, but not with not with Survivor. Uh, but um, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, crossed. anyway, so um, to answer your question, it's it's not been easy, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's been necessary, and uh, it's got to stop soon. We got to fix this 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 shit. Got to fix it. That's all yeah, I can say. And Wear a mask, know, damn me, it. Uh, Let's fix it. Yeah. No, I, I could <laughs> not, not agree more. Um, and, and you know what I will say? I, I almost feel like a lot of people who kind of just take it at surface level, people who aren't in the industry like you and, and people who don't study the industry like Andrew and myself, I feel like they would just assume, for example, like, survivor is in better shape than a smaller band. But I would beg to differ. The more people that you typically would play a crowd to, yeah, kind of the, the tougher of a situation you're going to be in, right. and those bands have a whole slew of crew and agents mm -hmm. and and managers. Right, exactly. That paid. There's like yeah, a at least around one at band. least with at least with us not being able to play, it's just us that's out right, of right. work, and maybe the, the five or six people that put on the show. But you guys by yourselves, just the band brings on a whole crew of yeah. people that are now out of jobs too that and, don't have the fans to help support them with like buying their music or whatever. Yeah, the big the bigger bands, the national acts. Right. The survivors and on, you know, they're uh, they're going to be the last ones to go back to work. Yeah, you know, the cover bands might go back to work right away, you know, uh, because there's there's social distancing kind of the procedures some places have put in place. You know, I know I know guys that are playing the cars. Literally, that's their audience. Cars. Right. I mean, how weird is that, right? I've I've played local shows that looked like there was social distancing before it was mandated <laughs> yeah, by any true. government. We've all been there, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I, those shows, I'm sure, will still go strong. Yeah, right. So you know, in fact, if more people show up to your show now than normal, it would actually be <laughs> be like amazing. Ex exactly. Yeah, you know, but um, yeah, that you're right. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long time. Well, it, I wouldn't say a long time. It's just going to be everyone's, it's going to have to be handled. In other words, right. we're going to either have to have uh, a treatment or a vaccine or some kind of confidence inducing 
situation mm-hmm. until we see that again because that's that's like all they talk about on the news is that's the right. worst you can do is you know is uh let's see you can sneeze in someone's face or you can go to a concert your choice you know <laughs> and so right that's it's like the worst thing you can do but, you know uh, that's why yeah. uh you know all the whoever you know big crowds and rallies and things like that it's like mm, i don't know crazy yeah what people I, I, what, what people are willing to do i hear you on that man but d- all in all though and especially yeah. speaking to you last week i got this vibe it seems like you're in good spirits though well <laughs> like it, I, i'm talking about music there you go. they didn't That's take true. my tongue away there you go. I <laughs> and love I'm, that, I'm talking to you guys, so I'm not in good spirits. I, this is a bad mood for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh no, we'll have to we'll have to change that, man. Because it's always it's a pleasure to chat with you, dude. Now let's uh, let's paint the picture a bit before we okay. uh, sort of dive in too deep and progress through. Because I feel like this is a great way the conversation usually travels. Anyways, we didn't quite get into this. I was saving this when we spoke last week because this <laughs> is the music show of my two podcasts. Right, so I, I want to know. That. Yeah, I want to know what, like, take us way back. Like, the first time, your first memory of seeing a piano or a guitar, yeah. and as a little kid, just thinking, like, ooh, that, that's a weird shape. I like that. Like, take us all yeah. the way back and, and through your <laughs> upbringing, you know? Like, how did you get right. to yeah. be a survivor? Tell us about all the weird shapes you remember as a child. <laughs> that's my memory. That. I saw, I, that's my memory with it. This ain't about me right now. Uh, well, um, you know, I, there's some guys that start, like, you know, at two years old, you know, their parents plopped them down in a piano or something like that. I kind of wish that was me. Oh, same. But, um, I discovered uh, music uh, about 11 years old. I mean, I had been lit. No, take it back. My, my aunt had a stack of Beatle records, vinyl. I still have them. She gave them to me. I don't, she was, I don't remember. She's a, probably in college at the time. Uh, so she was getting rid of stuff. So she handed, I had Magical Mystery Tour and Rubber Soul and the White Album and Revolver and Sgt. Pepper. I had all those albums and that was the beginning of my collection. And I listened, I don't know why, but I listened to those records like they were, um, you know, just holy books. I just would just listen to them and listen to them and listen to them. And I don't even really know why. I mean, I just enjoyed them so much. And my sister and I had always enjoyed music uh you know it was always in the house i mean we weren't i didn't come from a musical family um nobody in my family actually plays an instrument or they may have learned at one time i think my mother played violin when she was a kid and and maybe there were people on her side of the family but nobody in my immediate vicinity was a musician that i was like i'm going to be like that nobody so the the people in fact i never really wanted to be like anybody that I noticed at that time in my life, I just really was something was going on on those vinyl records that just had me, you know, from, from the minute I turned them on, there was just something about them. And I, I'm sure we all have an experience like that with, with certain artists and music that we grew up with. So that was the beginning, you know, that was, so I, I had a pretty, pretty good, uh, collection of music at 10 years old, 11 years old. Aside from the Beatles, I had all the, you know, Eagle records, everything from Eagles to Supertramp to Pink Floyd. Um, you know, all the, all the, just, I mean, Paul Simon, you know, uh, my mother had a very, uh, 
you know, obvious collection, you know, her, her, <laughs> I say obvious, you know, it's, she had Neil Diamond and Paul, Paul Simon and, and Barbara Streisand and, and Petula Clark and, you know, all these, all these, you know, artists that weren't necessarily, you know, heavy rockers or nothing. And yeah. then I, and then I discovered all that on my own because I kept looking, you know, I discovered ELO and I discovered, you know, ACDC and Zeppelin and, you know, all the good stuff. But, um, the point is, is that, um, I hadn't discovered that I could sing until a few years later. And, um, I guess I was just in, having a good time. I remember, uh, back in those days, you know, if you needed the lyrics and they weren't printed on the album, you know, the paper, you, you literally, I just remember sitting there with the turntable, putting the needle down going, okay, write that line down. Then the next line, I mean, it was laborious. It took hours to get all the lyrics and I had pages of lyrics. They weren't my lyrics. They were lyrics from the records that didn't have the lyrics printed. Yeah. And so I would, my dad was in the electronics business. So he came home with all like the coolest stuff, we, not the high end uh, you know audio stuff but for consumers so we i had a double deck recording like a cassette so i could record something on one you know take then flip the cassette to the other side then record my voice live with another track and record it i couldn't adjust it after it was recorded it was just you know glued to the next track but i, I right, was able right. to dub things and so i got into recording like 13 years old i started figuring out how i could dub my voice and how i learned to sing was I would I remember I I would put on say a Na the Knack record my Sharona or something and uh, I would play the record hold the lyrics up to the to the microphone and hit record on the second deck and hit play on the turntable and it would record both feeds on top of the on top of the record so I I would have recordings of me singing karaoke with the voice still on the on the cassette <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? awesome and so that's that's, that's what but you know what's interesting about that that's up my if alley. you take the voice out and you just sing and you don't know what you're doing yet you know that that's it's going to take you a while to, to find your style and find things and stuff but because i was i was literally trying to mimic and i didn't like the fact that i could hear my voice or hear the other person's voice so i tried really hard to get all the inflections and record it just the way they did it you know at a as 12 years old or 13 years right. old and um so it helped me because it defined i i mean i i was able to sing i could sing like uh you know don henley or i could sing like you know robert plant or i could sing like uh you know whoever the record was you know That's and so, so um it, it helped my voice it helped me i was just having fun right. and then when i got into high school or junior high you know, I was starting these bands with, with, you know, with the other kids that, that I kind of had something in common with musically. And, um, but I didn't play an instrument and it was kind of, kind of pissing me off that, you know, all the guys that played instruments had a little more control over what was going on in the room. And, uh, you know, at 15, I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta participate in this. Plus I'm singing everybody else's songs. So that's when I started picking up guitar. I got some guitar lessons maybe seven guitar lessons um <laughs> and uh but all during that time period i was taking um all music classes i had i had uh classical harmony classes counterpoint i was taking uh notation i was taking everything i could take in high school uh to learn as my, and i had outside teachers too so i had a couple of um really really uh, incredible 
Um, Everett Gordon was a teacher of mine uh, that uh, taught me from about 13 to 17, maybe 13, no, to about 20 years old. And uh, he was the uh, Philhar- uh, director of the Boston Philharmonic, and he was um, – Wow. Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> we, for sure. And, and Bonnie Franklin was it the Carpenters? Bonnie Franklin and the Carpenters and a couple other. He was the MD for. So I mean, this guy was like you know major, major, major guy. But he was teaching on the side, and so I don't know how my what parents found him, but uh, <laughs> man, he taught me a shitload of stuff. I mean, stuff that you don't learn when you're a kid. You know, because I was around the real guy. That I would say, I would walk in one day and go. Well, I, I want to record this. How do I do this? And he would just, we'd walk into the recording area that he had and he'd show me how things were done. Wow. And, wow, and I was like, come home awesome. Dad, I want an eight track. Because <laughs> 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 back then they were like five grand. You're like, you'll get a cassette deck. <laughs> but anyway. but uh, wow. so that's, that's kind of thing. You know, I mean, I, music has been a part of my world uh, since I was. So, you know, since I was able to start formulating my own opinions about things and, and, and kind of, you know, right when I started getting more social in school. So it was always, always a backdrop. It was always something I was going to do. Um, I never really thought about it as um, I want to be like that guy and idolize a particular style or artist. So, it, it, you know, we could go on and on. But, I mean, that's stuff that I, I develop later on. But at the time, it was just man it was just so much fun that was my drug of choice you know it was just i i could i could get in front of people they responded in a way that they didn't when i wasn't singing and um i could make noise and people liked it and it was fun that's that's really what music was it was it was a way to explore the world yeah uh you know around me at that time for sure yeah i'm I'm curious what kind of kid were you in school like were you outgoing were you a little more introverted uh, I was both. I, I started, it depended, it, it depended on where I was. I, I, my dad moved a lot. We, my parents moved, when I was really young, we moved a lot until about high school. So I was in different junior highs and different elementary schools. So I always remember having to start over with new kids and all that crap. But by the time I got to high school, I kind of got a little more introverted. I, I went from a, a small private school uh, which had like maybe a dozen kids in the senior class of junior high. Cause back then junior high was separate from the ninth grade was not part of high school. Oh, that's cool. uh, it was, it was seven, eight, nine. That was junior high. And then hmm. 10, 11, 12 was high school. So um, when I got into high school, it was Taft high, man. It was a big high school with thousands of people. And I was a little overwhelmed, kind of, kind of hard to get my footing and music, you know, wasn't something I brought to the school. I mean, I, I went, I, 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 I took jazz band in the morning. I had classical harmony classes and I did all the stuff that I would, I wanted to do all my electives and everything, but I don't know. It was kind of personal. I got really personal with music. It was my thing. And I didn't really hook up with a lot of, uh, decent musicians in high school. Like I wish I had, but you know, I was, I was a little bit of, um, introverted at that point. I kind of went the other direction. Gotcha. You know? Okay. So, mm-hmm. so how do you, what's your, first off, what would you say is your first serious job as a musician and sort of how do you go from sort of, you know, having it be your world in high school and all that, but not meeting, yeah. you know, serious people to, to, to jam with. Cause that's gotta be frustrating. Thankfully, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Andrew and I, we were in an area 
we have the Chance Theater in Poughkeepsie. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, and a lot of bands get signed out of there all the time. The eyes are on it. So we kind of, it's almost like uh, I would describe it as like a, a Yankee baseball camp, like how they have in Florida. They send the young guys down there. And if they do well right. enough, they'll get bumped the up leagues. and they'll get bumped up. Yeah. Right. The minor, minor leagues. Yeah, exactly. You know, we exactly. had a little bit of like a training funnel, you know? And uh, so it was really cool to see the way like this is good etiquette versus this isn't. And, and why right. are you guys going somewhere? How did you learn you that? Guys? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but for you, I mean, it kind of seems like high school was, uh, it was maybe a little bit more harder to get those, those, those arms. For me, for me, high school, now, now you remember, I'm going to speak, I'm going to say this sentence as if I was uh, 15 or 16. Okay. okay. High school was a freaking waste of time. <laughs> Let's pass this so I can get on with my life. That's right, how I, right. I kind of treated high school. And um, it wasn't so much that I was uh, in a shell and didn't want to talk to anybody. I just kind of felt like uh, I'm, I'm ahead of this. I'm beyond this already. I, I, because by the time I was uh, in high school, I had, I've been, I've been playing, I've been singing on stages. Now, albeit I wasn't in my own band, but I was playing with professional bands, bands that, you know, had, um, open mic nights and, and, you know, other cover bands that I would, you know, show up and sing with them. So I was singing, uh, all the time, but it was sort of, it was kind of weird. It was, I, I was kind of schizophrenic. I, I had this personality at high school that no one knew that I had this career thing going on. And then when I go home, I would just, jump into the phone booth and i became super jeff and now all of a sudden i was on i gotta go i got a gig <laughs> you know <laughs> but no one at high school really i don't know man i i don't know why i didn't uh assimilate in high school a little bit more i i just felt like i was getting what i needed elsewhere and i was also you had i had um two teachers outside of high school that I, were concurrently teaching me as well as the teachers in high school and you know i mentioned everett gordon another guy named nate lamb and both these guys were in the industry mm -hmm. big time and they were teaching me things that i wasn't getting from my my harmony classes teachers and so i kind of felt like i had a a, a leg up you know and they, they were a little bit behind now there were things i was learning in high school but unfortunately i think what i should have what I should have gleaned from high school was the fact that uh, that's where you make cool connections. And I wasn't mm. doing that, you know, of people my age. I was, uh, I was leaving high school and doing that with older people. <laughs> and um, that when I, by the time I graduated high school, which is a whole nother problem and situation, because by then I was doing movies. Uh, so the music kind of took a hit for a little while but by mm. the time i ended high school i finally was sort of realizing i i you know i liked the people that were my age you know and it took me a few right. years before i could figure that out but i had been i had been very comfortable around older musicians or older people and i was just sucking it all up you know whatever they were teaching me and uh yeah so i don't yeah no i mean that look i feel like there's a lot a lot of benefits out of that <laughs> being exposed to people who you know were the right. director uh conductor sorry of the the boston uh yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, like that's it's definitely not a bad friend to have that's not a bad friend to have not and, at all and he was so cool with everything i asked him i mean i i came to him one day now i play piano now and keyboards for a living this is what i get hired to do i session work and i you know obviously with bands but i actually don't i never took any piano lessons I knew how to read and write music 
from the from my music classes and from you know writing four part harmony minuets and things like that classical mm -hmm. stuff but um most kids or most people uh, is, i guess when they're really young they they apply what they learn musically to an instrument that's the whole point mm -hmm. for me i already had all the music knowledge by the time i got to high school i understood theory i understood how music worked i could look at it know what it was doing um but I couldn't apply that to an instrument because I never trained my hands to follow the music. It wasn't something that I was doing because I was singing. I wasn't trying to be a player. But mm. then I, I just, I walked over to the piano in the house, which was not for me. It was for my sister who didn't touch it for years. <laughs> and uh, I finally said, screw it. I'm just going to play the piano because this thing looks awesome. And uh, I started to, you know, I put, I, I put the... There's, there's <laughs> the, the funny letters. shape you were looking for, Chris. <laughs> figured out what I was doing and then I, I realized I could play piano if I could just get my hands to do what I needed them to do so I that's when I asked you know this teacher of mine you know what you're teaching me singing you're teaching me recording you're teaching me all this stuff show me how you do that and so he gave me a few a few you know tips on how to get my hands and scales working and stuff and I just I don't know some things some things just are right you know, uh, had I had piano lessons, maybe when I was 10, maybe it would have been even better. I don't know. But it was not hard for me to learn piano by the time I decided to really take it and that be my instrument, which was by now I'm 15. I'm kind of late right. in the game. But remember, my my understanding of music is beyond a 15 year old at this point. It's just my piano playing was not up to snuff with the rest of my understanding of, of music mm -hmm. so i had a i'm a very different not typical on how a lot of these these guys you know learn and 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 i came to things as i needed them and remember i was a singer songwriter that's how i saw myself so it wasn't that important that i was like a virtuoso on a particular instrument or not it was just that i i, w I didn't want to walk into a room and not be able to talk to the musicians and not be able to um direct how i want my song to go and for that i needed to learn the language and the best way to learn the language is to learn how to play an instrument and then you then you've got <clears throat> you've got control you've got some kind of you know power mm -hmm. to uh to speak about it. So that's, that was my impetus to learn an instrument. It, it was more so that I could keep my writing fresh and keep control of my writing. Right. I've heard that the piano lends itself to, uh, like if you learn the piano, you can learn every other instrument so much easier just from everything Probably. you learn in the piano. Yeah. Well, I mean, your approach to a piano is not anything like uh, a you know, a guitar or, or, or a bass or something, you know, right. it, the piano is, is everything is laid out. Mm -hmm. Every note that is available to us in the Western world is right here on these 88 yeah. keys. So and there's no secrets. They're right, right. here. We're on a, on a guitar. It's, it's, it's linear. And so, and they're not even in an order that is an alphabetical order or anything like that. They're, 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 the strings are tuned differently. So, you, you, you know, they're right. tuned so that they make chords when you put your hands around you them. You got to figure it out. It's a, it's a little more of a puzzle in that sense. But I learned how to play both. And um, I also am left, at that time, I was favoring my left hand. Mm -hmm. uh, so I made sure that I bought right-handed guitars and learned how to play right-handed. 
because I wanted to be able to pick up any guitar and not have to go, hey, I can't play that one. So uh, I, I, yeah. I kind of, I'm, I'm ambidextrous. I mean, I can write, read, and, I mean, I can write and pit, you know, throw a ball with either hand fairly well. Um, so at that age, I decided, you know, yes, it's easier on left, but I'm going to learn to play right. And uh, so that was another thing that was going on. So th that's, you know, just, just stuff, you know. That's yeah, I wasted I wasted so much time playing video games, man. I wish I just <laughs> did not do that. Yeah. That, is, that is some foresight right there, man. So I, I like I gotta ask, like, you know, what is your vision of yourself when you are just starting these lessons? Was it just was it, it doesn't seem like it was ever just a hobby though. It seems like you had the roadmap planned out and you were just more so figuring out how to get or, there by taking these lessons and well, or at least that you knew weekend. that at least that you knew that music was where you would be able to excel in life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably more, more accurate. It wasn't that I had a roadmap. Nobody does. And I certainly didn't have any kind of control over what I thought I was going to do. Um, you know, in terms of me writing it down in like some kind of mission statement or something. Uh, I, I just was, uh, I just knew that this, this was, this is defining, you know, it's funny, music was, helped shape my personality. And so as I, because it was, you know, I was still figuring out who I was and all that. Um, so it was a tool for me to help me, uh, I, I, I could identify, I could, I could, it built my confidence, it built my ability to uh, communicate with people. And so because of this, it was more of an integral part of my my learning process so it wasn't so much that i said oh well music's the thing for me it, it wasn't really a choice it was more like uh the air that i breathe it, it was just another feature of my upbringing and how i how i uh related to the world world you know um it, but i did know instinctively somehow that music was going to be a part of my life period and I knew that at a very young age. I knew that by the time I discovered it, I would say about 13. I think I told you, Chris, on the last podcast that I, I, I was very into science. I wanted to be a scientist, yeah. you know, or mm -hmm. some, um, some kind, mostly, you know, cosmologist or, or yeah. uh, an astronaut or not an astronaut, but an um, astrophysicist or, or, uh, or an astronomer. I just love, I love that part of the, the sciences. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of struggled at 13. I remember sitting down, looking at my row of books on the shelf going, okay, I'm going to do this music thing. So this is a big decision. Like I couldn't do both. I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I kind of knew that this was going to be a heavyweight decision for me to say, I'm going to do the music. And I don't know why it, I didn't see it as a choice. I just, um, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. It's just, it was just who I became, you know? what yeah. i chose to do no I was just, some some things are just right yeah i guess so i mean i i knew i knew this and i think you i think we all instinctively know this that you know when you do something that gives you not just joy and or and or other people joy but it also it also um enhances your uh life 
by virtue of helping you with your own identity, you're, you're building your own character. It kind of kind of answers questions for you. You right. don't throw that. You don't walk away from that. Right. It's not know? just fun. It's fulfilling also. Fulfilling. That's a better word. Yeah. Because who's thinking about money at 14 years old? You know, I right, mean, maybe right. some guys are. I don't know. But I know I wasn't. I, I was thinking... I was thinking this this is right. there's something here. This is yeah. what life's about. You know? I think this normally I think normally at fifteen, if you're trying to go into music, you're like, I want to be a rock star and get all the chicks. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I want to hang out with those old guys at the Philharmonic and play some piano. <laughs> I think there's guys like that. I, I think that's and I think that's totally legitimate, you know. Yeah. Uh we you need know, rock who cares? Stars. Who cares what the reason is? But here's the deal, okay? It, it the if the here's the here's where it gets important to understand the difference it's there's nothing wrong with saying i just want the chicks or i just want to be a rock star but at some point it, you need to connect with something that speaks to you and that gives you an ability to communicate whatever you're trying to express if you can't do that then then you're just a shell and there's nothing really going on and you may not i, I won't say you won't succeed but you probably won't and um you know, so in other words, there has to be uh, a sense of um, uh, there. There has to be something that's uh, genuine, even, and, and it's okay to say I want the chicks for it. This is it's okay, but you also have to you also have to have something to to offer. You know, mm -hmm. just wanting right. something isn't enough. People can right. see, I feel, when when art is contrived, especially you know when oh, totally. an artist because it's, it's to, your people know it's 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 yeah. you know it instinctively you know yeah no totally yeah so mm -hmm. jeff you know last week when we had spoken or earlier in this week but if we're talking about when the episodes aired which uh guys by <laughs> the way we did an amazing episode which came out yesterday with jeff on our on our show talking tv where we kind of cool. dove into more of his acting side and so you did bring up that you know late high school acting came into play and and the way you kind of described it to dom and i last week it was more so kind of like uh it felt like a means to an end just really to sort of keep propelling your career forward and figure out the next step but it always felt like music was in the back of your mind so why don't you talk a little bit about that your choice to get into acting yeah. and, and sort of when it came about and, and you know sort of what you were able to do with that part of your career which also is yeah. super successful well acting like you already described is was not uh was not on the agenda it wasn't something i was like okay and i gotta do that too you know it it, it happened because when you're in um when you do, when you're when you're out there and you're performing in the public, and um, people are seeing you, and you're young, and people are starting to kind of take notice, they're not they're not differentiating whether you're a singer or a musician or an actor. They're just they're just trying to you know they just see dollar signs, so they're just saying, hey, you know, if I could get you acting work, I could make some money, or you you could make some money. Hence, I could make some money. Um, so uh, that's kind of where a lot of that came from. I, I was, you know, I live in L.A. and, you know, I was in this show on Sunset that I played every weekend. And um, it was a kid's show. It was a variety show at, at the Roxy. And so that's kind of, you know, there were all a bunch, there were a bunch of actors and a bunch of other kid performers that were in that show and there were tons of you know stage moms and 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 people that were pushing their kids into the business so i mean i was around it and i wasn't the type of person that you could not notice you know i mean i i got up on stage and suddenly you know i was 
you know, people, people took, I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying this is what propelled me to the next, what, why I never gave up, why I continued to go was, was also because every time I did get in front of people, I got an incredible amount of energy coming back at me. And it wasn't like, um, you know, quit your day job or don't quit your day job, kid. You know, it was always right. like, what are you doing here? You know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. And and so that kind of always made me feel like there was more to what I was doing than just, in, you know, than just fulfilling myself. There was there was a career here, maybe. So when someone approached me and said, you know, you should do acting, I was like, what do you got? Sure. And I and I, I kind of just kind of went down that road thinking uh, that will probably lead me to uh, um, something else that might lead me to something else. I mean, I, I, it wasn't, wasn't like planned. So a anyway, I, I don't really want to harp on it too much because this is a music thing podcast, right? You know, and yeah, the totally. acting thing and the acting thing is important in the sense that it was another, uh, a, another, another medium in that I was able to contribute or have something to do in, but it, it never really took off for me. It wasn't like I got an acting bug after that and decided, oh my God, this I've been wrong all along. I should have been, mm -hmm. you know, Shakespeare was my answer or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, no, yeah, it no, was I like... I think um, the listeners would probably be curious. Uh, as I told you, both of our shows have, uh, thankfully, a very different audience. So, you know, guys, go check out uh, where we really speak about this guy knows his stuff about film if you're into that type of thing. And it'll all be linked later. But Jeff, you know what I'm wondering right now? And this is really the big thing I was saving from last week. I'm excited. I want to know the road <laughs> to Survivor. I want to know, oh, yeah. you know, you're out, of, you're out of high school and you've had your experiences and you talked about that. Didn't really fight quite, quite find the serious guys, but you didn't let that stop you. You know, you kept plugging away, kept taking every right. opportunity you could. So... How do you how do you get the survivor and and please spare no expense on the way if you can I'd love to know every well, detail. Well, we we love the details. This is, this is part of the story now that's gonna disappoint you because <laughs> okay. every other aspect of my career had a kind of a cool story to it. You know, I, I fell into the Karate Kid, I fell into this, and I did you know I had a feature film, and I uh, I could tell you more about my music stuff and some of the people that I work with prior to Survivor, but Survivor was never. First of all, they weren't on my radar, you know, uh, certainly not now, not, not, a, not uh, in 2016 or, or whatever it was. Uh, you know, they, they had sort of fallen off the radar for me. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, and they literally, I swear, this is, this, this is, it's going to be boring, but I got an email. That's the end of that. I got an email from, from uh, the manager and... Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I didn't believe it either. I, I got this email that said, I, I wouldn't believe it either. No, I, and it, well, you'll even think so even more when I tell you what it said. It was one <laughs> sentence. Would you be interested in playing keyboards for Survivor? That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There was like no phone number, oh no phone God. number, no name, <laughs> nothing. You Just know, honestly, email. I, I think I might have gotten that email before. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> so sure. What it, I looked at it and I said, this has got to be a joke. Who does this? Yeah. Do they mean, and I had, I, had to, I had to think about it. I'm like, do they mean the Survivor? Maybe it's right. a cover band or something. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? So, but then I noticed that the uh, email uh, address came from Irving Azoff's office. And... Uh, I'm sure Heard you guys as musicians have know sure, who course, Irving Azoff was. Heard you know, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, okay, this is probably them. So I, I answered back with one word. I figured, you know, fair is fair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, uh... as much as that's like kind of a boring story, that's a great flex. Like you just, without any sort of context or anything, it was just boom. Survivors like, you want to play keyboard? Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And it, I mean, I, I had been playing keyboards by then, as I do now, all over LA. I mean, I've been you know playing in tons of bands with lots of different players. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the keyboard player that was currently with them at that time, I knew. I didn't know he <laughs> was the guy that was in Survivor at the time, but I, I looked him up and I was like, oh, I know that guy. You know, I've I've seen him play before. I I know people that are friends with him. So we're it's a smaller community of people. When you get you know on on with people on that level, there's it's not a you know as big as it would be say in you know just cover bands and stuff like that. That's a bigger right. community. Um, so uh, it was surprising, and I do not know for a fact how they got my email. I know they came from my website, and I it it, it may have something to do with some of the. Um, some of the things that uh, all the shows I was doing in various various places I may have popped up, you know, on yeah. their searches, in their search. <laughs> the search is over. <laughs> it's a little inside Survivor joke. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I no, I, I had no idea that was coming, and I didn't know that um, that. Uh, I wasn't like planning on it. I hadn't like, you know, reached out to them saying, you know, check me out or something like that. They they already had made their decision hmm. pretty much. Yeah. By the well, time they hit me up. Wild. So then I, I guess I we kinda have to ask, like, what you know, because that's a pretty big name that you got emailed from. What yeah. what have what did you do in between, you know, high school and then getting that email asked to, to be on that radar? You know, you had to build up yeah. some sort of resume. Sure. Well, I mean, I've worked with uh, various people. Uh, um, Clive Farrington, uh, I was his musical director for a little while. Clive Farrington is, um, uh, if you guys remember, um, um, uh, the band When in Rome. From, look, look it up. It's an '80s band. They were, they were one of the U, one of the uh, UK new wave bands that were mm. popular. They had that song "Promise." I promise you, I will. Uh, Nothing's anyway. ringing a bell, unfortunately. Uh, I'll have to check them yeah. out though. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. There, it was a big hit. It was a big hit in the '80s, and he had this huge hit. And I was, I was doing stuff with him. Uh, I had a lot of friends that I was, I was playing um, in different shows, uh, you know, from Vegas and here, and and just just playing with lots of people. And so it could have come from one of those people that I, you know, hey, I know a keyboard player kind of thing. Um, and what's interesting too is that uh, I got to, I learned from Survivor later on that they really didn't they w they weren't really comfortable finding a guy from california they wanted a guy that was where they were which was in chicago and their current keyboard player was living in la so i was really pretty surprised that that they you know they they kind of they kind of were had their mindset that they they that they reached out to me and they kind of had a, an idea that whether i were going to say yes or not but they kind of knew what they wanted and and, and it, it it would have been nicer for them had i been from chicago but the fact that they came all the way to, to to la for me you know must have been must have been some for some reason somebody had said something you know what's what's really amazing though was and this is the big thing i think 
this is the tie-in with your other podcast that we didn't get to, but it's really amazing. I think it's amazing. Hopefully your your listeners will too. It's um when I when I joined the band, I you know, I was doing my research and I want to make sure I understood every album and what was on all the albums and what I wanted to know the history. And I'm doing my research and I come across, you know, of course, the moment of truth, which is the theme song for the karate kid, which was recorded by Survivor. Um, but here's the weird thing. The video for the the song Moment of Truth, I'm in. <laughs> by That's virtue horrible. of being in the movie, they use scenes wow. in which I was in, and there's Jimmy Jameson singing the song, and then they flash to a scene with me. And I, I'm it's like, almost a bit of poetic justice how you found them after you know so much time. You, you can't you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I said to F Frankie Sullivan, he's the guitar player. Uh, and he's the guy that wrote Eye of the Tiger. Um, I said to him after I met met him and I went through an, a little bit of an audition process um, uh, over a period of days, uh, you know. And um, I think on the last day before I was flying home, I said, he, he I knew he was going to offer me the gig. And I said to him, um, I kind of felt I felt I got it, you know. And he says, uh, I said to him, I said, man, I, I, I wish you'd called me like, 20 years ago <laughs> you know he says if i knew you i would have you know wow. so it's kind of interesting i've had other um other kind of near misses you know two ships passing in the night with them there was a recording studio there uh in canoga park which is in la i know you guys are east coast but uh um it was called rumbo recorders and rumbo was a recording studio that was kind of not on the it was off the beaten track it wasn't down near sunset strip or any of the hollywood places and so all the big bands would come to record at rumbo it was owned by uh daryl dragon and daryl dragon was the other half of captain and Tennille. Mm. and um daryl was an enormously talented keyboard player i mean this guy was everybody you'd want to every he's the person you'd want to learn a lot of shit from i mean this guy was one of those guys and he built uh the state-of-the-art um recording studio i mean it's, it's where guns and roses recorded appetite for destruction uh it's it's uh heard know, of that it's, it's where uh vital signs was recorded for survivor now, funny thing is, I, and David Bowie and uh, just everybody recorded there, especially since it was um, not in Hollywood. They weren't going to walk out the front door and get you know blasted with right. with fans and stuff, and they mm -hmm. could kind of do their thing. Anyway, make a long story short, I was in a band called The Reach, and the guitar player, his name was Patrick Bolin, and he came. He was touring with Kenny Rogers and Kim Carnes and the Pure Prairie League. And I know that these are older bands, but if you look up Pure Prairie League, you'll be like, holy shit, those guys were amazing. Um, he was in that <laughs> band. And like I said, I was always worried. I was about 20, 22, 20, 22 or 23 at the time. And he was uh, um, certainly older. They, all those guys in that band, they were like 10, 12 years older than me. And uh, so they all had record deals and stuff. And I was working with, I was in pretty good company. He knew Daryl Dragon and Daryl heard our demos and gave us the studio, this multi-million dollar, crazy, amazing studio uh, to come in and record our demos, just free access to the whole thing. And Daryl gave me a, Daryl himself gave me a, a tour of the studio. And so I'm in rehearsal 30, 30 something years later with Survivor and, uh, um, can you hear that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
There's that uh, Poor Man's Son is a song that uh, was one of the first rec record. I'm one of the first records that was played on the radio for Survivor before Eye of the Tiger, and there was a Wurlitzer part that just went. You know, and um, I started playing it, and he stopped me, and he goes, because he 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 was he's just when I say he, I mean uh, Frankie Sullivan. Uh, remember, forty years this guy has been touring, and you know, just amazing career. And he stops me and goes, "You know who played that part?" I'm like, "No." He goes, "Daryl Dragon." You know, <laughs> wow. Daryl Dragon played on 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 their albums. You know, while they while they were at Rumbo, and I, I was at Rumbo. And I had to do the math and figure the years out. And I was like, I could have been coming out the door and they could have been walking in. That's how weird that was. You've you had know? so many, just like you said, ships passing in a night moments. Yeah. You? That's phenomenal. It's the, uni the universe has been trying to get you into Survivor yeah, for like 30 like it, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I would like to think, though, and, I'm, and in all seriousness, I, I'd like to think that the universe has bigger plans. <laughs> me. maybe survivor is because you know survivors a uh, great band and um their, their catalog is just you know amazing songs i mean these guys wrote brilliant right. you know what's great about them before i finish my thought was back in those days you had bands like uh white snake and and um you know guns and roses and, and but they didn't have any keyboards Mm -hmm. And and uh, bands like Foreigner, right? They had the occasional not, piano, but heavy, only in the ballads. Heavy, yeah, Ario Speedwagon, A Lover Boy. Those bands uh, had tons of piano and, and synth work in them. You know, oh, um, so that that's what intrigued me about Survivor is that they they were they were still a kind of a, a heavy band most of the time, but they had this '80s kind of kind of. Uh, piano synthy thing going on a little flavor yeah they were kind of in the middle of did they play them on on rock stations did they play them on you know adult con right. adult contemporary it was you know there's uh the song uh, high on high on you that's yeah. my favorite one and exactly <laughs> yeah whoa it's like you're in the band <laughs> exactly and that's, that's awesome. a point in case right i mean is that hope, i hope we don't get sued for that <laughs> <laughs> hey i mean if anything that's on us but it was awesome yeah. regardless but um, i mean you know that that song you're right it's kind of like um more more modern you know like bands like uh the fray or Coldplay, right like they have some right. some more rocking tracks but then they also like the survivor of, uh, you know like yeah, uh you're great like Haley williams said about paramore survivor is too rock for the pop but too pop for the rock yeah that's the way to put it, you know, but it yeah. worked for them. I mean, uh, I think High on You was top 10, um, you know, mm -hmm. Can't Hold Back, another huge song, and Search is Over, which was number two on the U.S. charts. I mean, you know, these guys did not have uh, one They're not one-hit wonders, yeah. Exactly. They are not, you know. Uh, you know, obviously, the Eye of the Tiger, the Eye of the Tiger is such a song I mean, the Eye of Tiger is bigger than Survivor at this point. I was just going to say, it's it's like it's it's yeah. like it's like Michael Jordan kind of thing with basketball. It's, it, it has a cultural just, impact uh, just yeah. beyond the band. I mean, that song is used in so many different yeah. applications, so many scenarios. It's, just rec it's, it's 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 part of the the um, what are they? You know, it's it's part of it's just part of the fabric of our society to to, right. to know the Eye of the Tiger. You know, to the whole. 
that whole uh, iconoclastic it's ingrained in our culture. How many times yeah, are you watching crazy. a sports game and you hear that in the background, like the arena I playing know. it, and you just exactly. hear, dig it, dig it, you know, just chugging away? It's the intro, unbelievable yeah. what what they were able to to achieve with that and, and the most incredible feeling and i have to say this is the, one of the most exciting things about being in survivor was that you know they all want to hear the hits of course and there's you know you don't want to deny these people of that but when we play eye of the tiger yeah i mean holy crap it's just like a freight train of of energy coming back from they all yeah. stand up and, and, and they, they crowd the stage this is pre-COVID, of course. Of course. Uh, they, you know, they, they crowd the stage, and, and the energy is just nuts. I mean, it's just, wow. And I, I, you know, I haven't had the, the um, fortune to experience that with my own music, but I have experienced it with theirs. You know? Right. It, well, it's, it's like, uh, I'm sure that nine, ten, like nine out of ten times, somebody's got a, a thing they can think of where they heard that song in a movie or a TV show and it gave them chills. So I can imagine what it's like to be like in a, in a crowd at a concert. Yeah. You're hearing all this great music and then it just goes, dig, 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 and it's just like it hits this thing in your brain. You're like, I know yeah. this. I know this more than I know myself. Like, yeah, right. yeah. And it's happening right here. Like they, it's got to be crazy. They no longer have control of their own bodies at that point. They're, they're exactly. Just, they're not you know. on earth right now. They're just <laughs> in, they're just right. in the eye of the tiger for the it's, next three, it's, three it's, and a half minutes. It's, it's really cool. It's really cool. Cause I mean, any band could have come knocking, you know? Right. Uh, and, and it was, it was them. So shit. Yeah. Now, awesome. Jeff, before but, we let yeah, you go I, here, I, and I know you have a studio session to get to, but this show, a, a big a big part of our audience on this show is uh, Andrew's peers and I, you know, people who are, are really trying to, like, make the music thing a career, do what you've been able to do. So, right. I usually, and I hate to, I don't think this needs to be more, but I actually think it's pretty positive. It, it will probably start a little dark, and if you don't mind, I think <laughs> a lot of our listeners could get a lot out of knowing, like, because in entertainment, there's ups and downs. Like, would you mind letting yeah. us in even the slightest bit sure. to like your lowest point where where you might have felt helpless or you didn't quite know what to do next and then yeah obviously you're here every now, day so. every, every day. day okay every day every day is is a struggle and and not in not all struggles are equal okay some are some are hard and some are worth really you know some are worth getting up in the morning for you know so um when i say every day i'm not trying to be uh I'm not trying to be facetious or anything or, or make light of it. I, I'm basically saying that, you know, if you're interested in a career, if you're, first of all, you should be interested in the art form or what it is that your craft is and what it is that you care about. If you don't, if you're just in it to make money, then, you know, then, then go into there, like, there are day, easier ways a, to make money, <laughs> be a day trader or something, you know, go into right. stock market. But I mean, seriously, the music business is, is not a, fun business in, in the sense that it's fair you know it, it, it's the, just throw fair out the window okay and it's not about that y you have to be very 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 insulated and strong on your own to to be able to deal with the uh trials and the tribulations and all the the the, the disappointments you're going to have to face um there's a lot of people that want to be in this business and the one a lot of people that think they deserve to be in this business or deserve to deserve your your money you know for something that they're creating and the the point is is that i think you have to shift at least i can only speak for myself but but I'll, but for with regard to you know how dark it can get or how hard i think what helps everybody or it would help me is that it's not i don't really i don't equate the business with my music 
you know, or with what I do. Uh, there's the business and that's the business. And then there's me creating and me being um, fulfilling what it is that I started out as a 13 year old doing. And I didn't come into this business with the idea I was going to make a million dollars and, you know, uh, own a, you know, own a huge portion of whatever. Yeah. You know, the point is, is that I, I it, the idea was there was no idea. It was just a sense that this is a part of me. So I think I'll try to simplify it. Basically, what I'm saying is that don't base what you do on tomorrow's you know, reward or something. It's not what you should be doing. What we should be doing is, is honing your craft, getting more in touch with who you are as an artist and why you do it. I mean, I sit at the piano for hours and hours and hours. Do I accomplish anything? Am I solving cancer? You know, am I, am I fixing the problems of the world? No. But I am creating an environment for my mind and for my world to um, to thrive. And so I don't think that just because it doesn't bring a dollar in, it's not less valuable. You know, and I think it's the values. I think it's where you place your value. If you can shift that so that you're not being dictated to by the almighty dollar or the, the push to succeed all the time, then you'll be insulated so that you can concentrate on what's important. And then when those things do come, you're well grounded and, and you know, you can deal with them when they're not there, you know? Right. I think that's a big thing that you're touching on. It's like, especially with people our age and stuff is you have to figure out what your priorities are. Cause that's like, you know, yeah. where you spend your time is important. And if you're spending your time thinking about, you know, just like, um, how much should I, how much should I charge people to come to my show? Like you're not really thinking about the super important part probably. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that those aren't important decisions or that right, for you sure. shouldn't be, uh, you, you shouldn't be losing sleep over them. I'm just saying that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be your, your, your being and who you are shouldn't be modified or shouldn't be affected by those decisions. Right. You know, you should be, you should have enough, musical armor around you so that you know fuck it i'm gonna still do what i want to do you know right. and and and, I, and you're you know you guys at your age i would say are the luckiest that in many years because you've got youtube and you've got so many mediums that if you are true to your artwork and your craft and you just want to you just need to get it out no one's stopping you you know i'm not saying that you're not going to be heard or you will be heard that's unfortunate. I mean, you know, that's mm -hmm. a difficult process. And some people figure it out. They understand how to play the popu popu um, the popularity contest that the internet is. But that isn't Very necessarily true. where the good artwork is. And you have to yeah. delineate that in your head. You have to kind of figure that out and go, you know, what I'm doing is is got value, even if it's just for three people. Now, how to make money, that's a different issue. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I can't tell people or myself, you know, uh, at a particular time in my life where, you know, maybe I would have done better financially had I not done this or that. Or, but you right. can't look at your life in segments. You have to look mm -hmm. at the whole picture and you have to say, am I going to be a more fulfilled, happier person and make better decisions for me and the people that I care about? If I'm doing this rather than just going for the gold all the time or going right. for the money, you know, and if you can just justify that and find that happy space, 
you know um that's kind of where it is it's kind of you know it's kind of like what andrew what do you play i play bass and drums perfect you're you're gonna be perfect for my example you know <laughs> all that. about you know all about the pocket right i, just, I try to live in it exactly <laughs> and we all try to live in it and that's that is not just a musical thing it's it's actually a real place to be in your life right. because you can be too fast you can be too slow but to find that happy medium it's a push and pull it's never one tempo it's a it's a variation of tempos it's an average mm -hmm. and no one can tell you where that feels good but you wow. know it when you're there and that's, that's what music is that's where you need to be in your life if you can if you can ride that little and you have to you have to give yourself enough space to know that you're going to be knocked into the I'm, you know, I'm rushing a bit and you're going to be knocked into, I'm not, I got to pick it up. I'm dragging. Or dragging sometimes. That's going to happen. But that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the focus. The focus is, okay, I'm, I'm dragging, so I'll push it a little bit, you know, whatever. The point is, is that you always want to try to maintain that, where's my camera? You know, that, <laughs> that, 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 that middle, that, you know, you're riding that crest mm -hmm. and it's, it's, life is a balance, Music is a balance, you know. Why do we have uh, a, a verse and a chorus, and why is the chorus louder and more, more, you know, more full right. of, of music? Why does it have more layers than the verses? Well, because if it was all chorus, it wouldn't be very interesting. You have to have your dissonance and your your resolution. You have to have your right. quiet. And you have to have your 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 mezzo you need, forte. You need the dynamics. You know? You need that dynamic, but but it's not just dynamics because that's easy. I can play it louder and I can play it soft. That's not what it's about. It's about right. using your dynamics as a tool to try to ride that wave, mm. and that's where that's where the that's what I love to do. That's why I, you know I discovered being on stage is the only place where I'm able to find that little n niche for me, and um, sometimes when I'm writing. But I do it in front of people better. Like if I have people in the room and they're not paying attention, I'm writing a song. I'll probably write a better one. You know, it's just <laughs> I need an audience. But yeah, I've learned right. that about myself. I not everybody's that. like that. You know, right. um, you know, if you asked me to sit here and give you my thoughts and you weren't on the the screen and it, it was just give us a, record your thoughts down, I, I would probably give you the same thoughts. But I'm I enjoy it more. Excuse me, with an audience. That's who I am. That's what I've discovered about myself as a musician. And I've just, you know, I don't see what I do as a musician apart from what I am in my life. So I don't act differently in different situations. I'm always looking to, to find that zone, try to, try to, try to, you know, temper too fast or too slow. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always doing that because it's not really about just music. It's really just how I live my life. And I also, I'll say one more thing. And I also think getting back to, you know, what's important and how to um, ride those crests when they come, when the downtimes come is that, you know, no matter what happens out there, you know, um, you're kind of confined that place where you're, you can center yourself so that you're, you're, you're affected only to the degree that you allow yourself to be. Right. It's not easy, man. It, it takes a lifetime to do that. And some people figure it out young. Some people never figure it out. You know, hopefully yeah. drugs ain't the answer because, you know, right. it might it might solve it a little bit <laughs> mm -hmm. for a day or a, a week or a year. But eventually that's just going to destroy your body anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I'm just saying that that uh, 
find your happy place, figure out what, what makes you tick and don't do it too hard and don't do it too soft for figure it out, you know, and then apply that. Mm. That's how I'm in a band too. You know, when I'm with a band, you know, Jeff, I well. feel like, because Andrew, I would say, before we let you go, I'll leave you with this sentiment. Andrew's like one of my rocks. Like, he's one of my closest and <laughs> oldest friends at this point in my life. And I go to him for a lot of advice. And I feel like this is what he's been trying to tell me for the better half of two years now. <laughs> Everything that you just put down. I mean, Andrew, how would you attest to that? No, I you mean, know? yeah, that's 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 like the end goal that I've been trying to get to in my, in my life, too. So you kind of just, like, brought our friendship to a nice little point here that... Yeah. Oh, that's Hopefully good. Hopefully, isn't the end of it. Well, well, here's the thing, man. It, it, it's that a lot of this stuff really can't be verbalized. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when you ask someone to tell you, oh, stay in the zone, don't do this. I mean, yeah. they sound like words. And I, I, I know that they're not words because I understand what I'm saying. But you don't really need the words because you guys have the luxury of being musicians. And there's nothing closer to understanding what balance is than being a good musician if you are just do your job as a musician and try to be true to the material it'll force you to find those zones automatically and so if you just remember what that feels like and apply it to other situations in your life you'll suddenly take on a you know it'll become a zen thing for you it won't be something you have to verbalize and think about it'll be a flow you know? state yeah i mean you know when you're playing uh when you, do you do you prefer drums or you do f prefer bass or drums? drums for sure yeah yeah because drums is got to be probably in in pop music and rock you know it's got to be the most important instrument really in terms of its feel. I mean, you that's know, what I've because, been trying to say, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it may not it may not contribute to harmony. It may not contribute to the lyrics in right. that sense, in the actual musical sense of it. But what it does do is it. As human, this will answer the question. As human beings, we really, our vocabulary and our ability to speak, our dialogue is horrible. It yes. does not really, English, Chinese, Russian, I don't care what it is. It, it doesn't really come close to the gamut of emotions that we have. But music comes closer. And it, it does so because it's not about, in order to talk, I have to first learn a language i have to understand what that language means i have to parse my words so that they are in line with my emotional feelings about it i mean mm -hmm. think about what's happening in a milli milliseconds right but when you're playing drums or you're playing an instrument and you're just communicating what that instrument is you're actually speaking multitudes of languages all at the same time and your yeah. body wow. knows what's going on it doesn't need all those words to hammer you down so when you when your guys get together and you're playing a groove, uh, if if something's going on and you're not feeling it, these guys will know immediately, right? Because they can't react to you properly. You know what I'm saying? So if you guys yeah. just remember that and while you're playing, you don't have to talk about it. Doesn't have to be a weird thing. Just know that you. I mean, what do you play? You're a guitar player, right, Chris? A uh, guitar player and singer, yeah. Okay, so there's nothing that you're going to be able to do to make his feel better, meaning drums. So mm -hmm. if he's laying down a groove, it's going to actually make you sing better, and those lyrics are going to now express. The point is, is that I told you this on the last podcast. What we're doing as musicians is not music. It's just communicating. It's another language. It's another way to communicate thought 
and feelings to other human beings. Mm -hmm. So if you're laying down some drums and you got a cool groove going on, it's going to affect you in a different way than it would be if it wasn't there or if it was a bad, crappy groove or whatever, or it didn't feel good. And mm -hmm. depending on what the lyric is and depending on what you're trying to communicate to your audience, every one of the elements of that piece of music is leading to coming out of your mouth at the end of the, the end of the, you know what I mean? If you looked at it in a, as a train, you know, you might yeah. be at, at the front of it, but the caboose you know, who's, who's laying down that groove. It starts there, you know, anyway, I don't want to sound stupid or nothing. I'm, no, I'm just basically I'm, no, trying no. to say that, that there's a way to access that zone without having to be, you know, stupid and talk about it, you know, because it yeah. is trite when you say it, you know, it sounds, mm -hmm. it sounds less important or trivial, but it is a real thing, you know, and you get in a room with people, um, and collaborating and writing music, it's the same thing. You don't always necessarily need to be talking about what you're feeling. You can just, you know, play a chord. Whatever it is, you know. Um, oh, okay. And then that next chord might lead somewhere else. It's a, com it's a freaking language. Yeah. And just, just, yeah. just don't separate the fact that this language is different and outside of you. It's not. It's just... I'm using words because that's how we have to communicate on this thing. Right. But we could use music too, and it'd probably be more fun. Y you get my point? It, it, yeah, it's oh, just, 100%. You're cutting, out, you're cutting out the middleman, just just going straight to the instrument. Yeah, just, it's, yeah. It's, it's like plugging the IV straight in. It's, exactly. It's like you stop talking with your mouth, which can confuse people and has a barrier, but you just talk with what's inside, which is just inside everybody. Yeah. I think that's what I love about, um, I love about performing is that you really can't hide if you're if you're playing a, an instrument or you're, you're you're singing, especially singing, because you can't hide that shit. I mean, <laughs> you, you either uh, you either know what you're talking about or have source some connection to something that people get, right. or you're lost. And people know that right away because they don't know that they know that, that because mm -hmm. it's just ingrained no, in no one's ever the told way them. our DNA. Is. <laughs> It's our, It's a way. It's a way the the mind and body works. It's just right. the way it works. You know when you're getting bamboozled you know yeah. or or you're yeah. being lied to or or you or even worse you know when someone's up there that isn't connecting mm -hmm. and they don't know why but right. you do <laughs> you yeah know? that's a horrible yeah, that feeling is, to, that to witness yes you know especially so with uh, some of the shows andrew and i have played but um, yes it is well it honestly is, i feel like we just had the same like <laughs> level of content in the last five minutes that we did in the whole hour that we just talked that was so much dude like you good the stuff home there i mean that was just yeah i get oh, that's cool color color me fulfilled yeah <laughs> dude. from this talk i'd love to hear some of your music send me okay. send me a track or something yeah i'll, oh, I'll yeah. send you uh i'll oh, send yeah. you uh in an email yeah. i appreciate you asking listen me. Yeah. if we need if we need a keyboard player we'll definitely hit you up <laughs> sure <laughs> it's not like i could say i have no time <laughs> that, that's true jeff man this was phenomenal uh, again yeah we appreciate you just giving me way, two hours way a week, dude exceeded like, my expectations by uh, you know what i loved about this is that i often don't get to i talk to my musicians that i work with mm -hmm. um like today where i'm gonna have a chance to do that again but you know on these kind of podcasts i'm i never talk to musicians i'm mm -hmm. always talking to like you know an 80s guy or or a guy that just wants to interview somebody or whatever it is. Um, 
so this is this is especially cool because i mean i don't know you guys as musicians but i know that right. you are and mm-hmm. we're probably have a lot in common so it's it's really easy to to have fun in a conversation like this so i right I'm I'm really happy that you asked me. That's Dude, high praise. Thank you. What I'll just say is whatever you just put down there to, you know, convey <laughs> your point, I was feeling 100% of that. That was just so Listen, yeah, we're we will have you back. Similar. We'll have you back whenever you want pretty much. Yeah. If yeah, you man. guys do uh if you guys do a um like a show uh, I mean, it, especially w- with regard to music. If you guys are doing a show where there's a particular subject you think that we want to delve into, on we don't have to go into my history or all that. Right, we can, absolutely. I, I'd be more than happy to just be a guest and we can talk about, maybe it's something you guys are trying to work out musically or something and, you know, what what would this person say? Or, you know, I don't know what you guys, I haven't listened to um, this podcast before. Uh, so I don't it's know. Okay. What I don't. I don't listen are. to it either. So it's <laughs> <laughs> scary. No, Jeff, man, your, your kindness is. Uh, it's it's over. Yeah, I'd be happy. We, to really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much, so, dude. And we appreciate. Well, thank you again for your time. Thank you again to April for reaching out and making this all happen. Yes. I mean, shout yeah. out April. She's really the thank reason you, why. <laughs> so She's Jeff, awesome. dude, you yeah. are obviously going to be back on. You're always more than welcome, and I know for a fact that not only has it been a while since we've had an interview, but I know for a fact that our listeners are gonna, you know, be hard pressed to find an interview we've done that is better than this one. So yeah, just wow. thank yeah. you again so much for this experience. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I didn't sound like a whole bunch of gibberish. No, <laughs> not at all. Especially you made the, you um, made like every other episode yeah. we've had sound like gibberish. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, Jeff, before we let you go, I mean, you know, you, you've spoken a lot about a lot of what you've done, and there's got to be a place on the internet to find it, right? Yeah, um, my website. JeffreyBryanMusic.com, spelled J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-R-Y-A-N, the word music.com. Uh, I just released a couple new tracks, by the way. They're on Spotify and Apple and everywhere. Um, uh, so um, go to my website and you'll, you'll see me singing and playing. And, and uh, during the COVID, early on during this COVID situation, I was making videos of um, some of my songs and some cover tunes. I would just take a cover tune and, and just, you know, kind of do my own thing with it. So I made little videos. So that's up there. And I've got um, some of my catalog up there and links to my stuff. So that's, that's the best way to go. Cool. JeffreyBryanMusic.com, guys. And it will be in the description of this video and on your favorite DSP digital streaming platform so uh jeff once again man thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it yeah you will thank we'll you be in touch man we really yeah will. absolutely enjoy your yeah, session later when... oh sorry enjoy your session later I... oh, oh yeah. thank you i will yeah i'm looking forward to it. thank you for having me and uh let me know when uh when you're gonna air this we'll do, we'll, do. Will. we'll send okay. you an email and uh right. as always guys stay sweet yeah stay sweet nice to meet you guys thank you see ya good night all right, guys, there you have it. Yet another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. And we just want to take a moment here to thank you guys so much for all the support you've shown this show. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but this show is 100% creator-owned and creator-run, and quite literally, we couldn't do it without you. I mean, the fact that you guys keep coming back week in and week out is not only humbling, but it's inspiring, and, and it's a reason why we will continue to deliver upon our promise to bring you content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so, all we ask for you guys to do in support of this show, for free, mind you, is please head over to youtube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. Please click that subscribe button. For whatever video you choose to listen to, 
click that thumbs up. It would really help out us grow the channel. And most importantly, turn on that bell to get notified every time we post content. Again, that's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on YouTube at 2 p.m. And of course, on audio. You guys can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. That is Talking with Andrew and Chris. And all we ask you to do on those platforms is please click the follow button, the subscribe button, leave a review, preferably five stars, whatever the platform allows you to do. If you could throw us a little support, that would really mean the world and help us keep growing this show. Once again, guys, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the support. Stay sweet, and we'll see you in the next episode.